0: In the past 60 years, yeah. the underwater noise sound has doubled each
1: 10 years. Somewhere like the North Sea, it's, it's almost an urban environment. It could be argued that it is now already an urban environment.
2: And sound in water is really life.
3: My name is Thomas Laudon and this is the 5 podcast where we investigate issues and solutions that create a more sustainable world one step at the time. Last summer I was lucky enough to go on a kayak trip, just off the coast of the Greek island of Lefkas. As we paddled through the water, the silence was disturbed by a huge speedboat passing at high velocity. When the sound died down, the guide said that he used to promise an encounter with dolphins on his kayak tours. But not anymore. The noise of a growing number of speedboats has chased them. That story stayed with me. Just a few months later, I read about an attack by killer whales on a sailing boat. That's definitely not normal behavior for these animals. Could disturbance by sound have played a role in this attack? I decided to find out, so I called the skipper of that yacht to hear about what happened from him.
4: My name is uh, Justin Crowder. I'm a professional uh, captain and I'm working uh, mainly with uh, Halcyon Yacht Deliveries uh, based in uh, the West Country in the UK. It was uh a supposed to be a fairly routine delivery. Um, uh, it was a uh, uh taking it from Tenerife uh, in the Canary Islands back to the UK um, and then we were due to cross uh, Biscay uh, uh, with a good weather window. Uh, we had strong winds as we came round Finister pulled into Coruña and it was shortly after that we had the incident. I was on watch uh, uh, and uh, the wheel just ripped out of my hand and um, and I assumed immediately it was um, a problem with the autopilot. Uh, of course, subsequently, that was incorrect, uh, but at the time, that's uh, my assumption. Um, so um, I tried to uh, uh, turn off the autopilot. Of course, it was turned off, and there was no way of uh, uh, you know doing anything in the cockpit. Um, so um, after three or four attempts and the wheel being ripped out of my hand again and again as I put the boat back on course, um, I shouted for my crew for assistance. and They were two Finnish guys, very, very cool characters. Um, they came up uh, immediately, and I asked one to take over, and by then, the wheel again had been ripped out of my hands head three times. Uh, and I, um, I went down below, trying to kill the power um, to the autopilot. That was my intention. As we were doing so, the crew member on watch, Mikhail, uh, shouted, Orca! So I ran upstairs, shouted to Johannes to turn the engine off, which he could do manually from below. Um, and uh, as I came up uh, the killer whale, just uh, after we killed all of the power, after we killed the engine, it finally uh, stopped uh, playing with the boat and uh, and swam away. Um, so we were now disabled. Um, the boat was. Um, Uh, drifting uh, out to sea with no steering. It had cracked our uh, main uh, steering uh, um, bearings. Um, It had uh, cracked the quadrant, and it had split the rudder. So uh, we couldn't use the rudder. It was impossible. uh, When the tow boat came, it was an extremely fast and powerful boat. Um, They got a line onto us quickly. They put the boat uh, up to hull speed, which was around seven to eight knots. Um, but we kept on going sideways off the waves. My thoughts at the time were that um, we were uh, surfing, and the boat was uh, reaching surf speed, and it was tripping up off the waves. And uh, every time we fell off the wave, there was incredible tension on the tow lines. And um, one of the tow lines uh, started to separate, and I called back uh, to the guys they had to stop the tow. Um, But again, uh, there were several large snatches on the the tow line, and one of the tow lines separated. At that point, I threw the other tow line off when there was some slack in it, and we came to a stop. And at that point, uh, again, the orcas appeared, and they came right alongside me and looked at me as they went past and disappeared. And later, when we got into Akronya, The Salvamento guys uh, said that the matriarchal female, a large uh, orca, was breaching in front of them when they were telling, and they saw the orcas uh, attacking us, basically.
3: The next day, Justin and his crew realized just how lucky they had been. The big question on their mind was why? Why did the orcas attack?
4: Is this because uh, uh, of uh, maybe sonar noises uh, from the vessels? Uh, is it may, maybe because of engine noise? Um, what uh, what was happening with the boat? Where and what sort of area was hap- where was the boat? What sort of depth of water? Um, all of these sort of questions are being asked because the scientists are definitely pointing it towards this as well, and it seems to be quite common uh, that uh, it's not 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 all the cases, but quite common that as soon as the boat is disabled, as soon as the engine stops and all of the electronics are switched off, the attack
3: stops. Anyone who's ever been underwater knows how different sound is below the surface. To us humans, at first it appears to be much more quiet than on land. But in fact, there's an abundance of sound down there. I wanted to know more about that underwater world and how we humans are affecting it. So I turned to three experts for guidance.
0: Hi Thomas, yes, thank you very much. Um, My name is Nathalie Houtman. Um, I work for WWF uh, Netherlands as ocean
2: expert. My name is uh, Michel André. I am uh, the director of the laboratory of applied bioacoustic of uh, the Technical University of Catalonia in Barcelona.
1: Yeah, um, my name is Serena Rivero, I work, work for the North Sea Foundation uh, based in the Netherlands in Utrecht, which is funny because it's quite far from the sea, but we work for the mostly the Dutch North Sea um, and also partly international.
2: Uh, human ears are not made to, uh, to hear underwater, uh, our ear is made to hear above the water and uh, because um, this is, uh, especially because we are made to hear above the water, so on land, in air, that uh, the presence of air in our auditory uh, external canal uh, makes the propagation of sound that comes from uh, water, which is a medium that is denser than air. When it gets to air, uh, the air acts as a, as a mirror, uh, and there is a drop in the intensity of the sound that uh, leads to um, practically uh, not a possibility to hear in the water. We only perceive a tiny percent of what is going on uh, in terms of sounds. And sound in water is really life. Uh, It's the only uh, information support that all the inhabitants of the sea have to exchange information, communicate, orientate. This is through sound. This is shared by all the living creatures in the ocean, uh, the perception of sound.
0: How important uh, sound is to animals. For example, what I really, what's a really touching example is humpback whale uh, mothers and calves. They whisper to each other, for mm. example, to avoid uh, to attract killer whales. Um, but then, yeah, if you imagine a, a noisy ship is going to pass by, or um, a seismic uh, blasting occurs. Then this might really um, interfere with with those those individuals and um, leave them vulnerable. It just demonstrates, uh, yeah, the power of of, of sound uh, in the ocean. I'd say.
1: So it might seem like a quiet area, but the well, the sea. A lot of animals they use sound to communicate, and if you really listen, there's sound everywhere in the sea. I think it's. It's surprising because when you're in the air, when you're on land, you can't hear under the water. And so you don't realize that there's actually all this noise in there. It's, the, it's a harmony of noise, of animals communicating. Um, in the tropics, you can hear snapping shrimp, and they're snapping their little uh, <laughs> um, clothes. But you also hear parrotfish that are biting on coral and cleaning. And, and the, yeah, of course, whales are renowned to communicate through sound. That's how they hunt, that's how they find their, their mates. Um, so, when I realized that, I mean, in a way, it's, it's clear, of course, they should communicate through sound because you can't see that well underwater. A lot of animals can't see that far, but they can hear that far. You can imagine a whale, and uh, you've probably heard of echolocation. Mm-hmm. So, they use clicks to, to navigate, to find where they are, and and, and also to find food. Um, they also communicate through sound, through clicks and, and whistles. It's very important. But so do fish. Fish also communicate using sound to find a mate, and um, to forage, uh, to, find, to find their way around. And invertebrates even, even use sound for the same purposes. But you can even see that larvae, so very little babies of animals, they actually use sound to figure out where they should settle.
3: Millions of years of evolution created a perfect underwater harmony. ...that lasted until humans started invading the soundscape of the ocean.
0: Yeah, we as humans have really changed soundscapes of meaningful natural sounds. Um, And actually this was first also by removing natural sounds. For example, by removing fish and whales through whaling. (coughs) Um, And secondly, uh, by adding unnatural noise of our own... um, ...through shipping and explosions, pile driving, seismic surveys... Um, to find oil and gas, for example. Yeah. Um, so we are, we're really adding another stress factor to um, yeah oceans that are already very busy. And just um, to give you an idea, in the past uh, 60 years, the yeah. underwater noise sound has doubled each 10 years.
1: But it definitely came with technological advancements. Because it's somewhere like the North Sea, it's one of the busiest uh, seas in the world. It's it's almost an urban environment. It could be argued that it is now already an urban environment. It's the busiest shipping, uh, the ocean, the North Sea is the, biggest, the busiest shipping channel in the world. Um, so you can imagine there's just constant noise, not just from shipping, but you can imagine the pile driving, there's wind farms being built at large quantities in the North Sea. Uh, the military activities um, there's uh, munition explosions mm. through the the military so they have to clear all the yeah explosions or ordnance. Mm. um well there's all kinds of noise and they've, it's been happening for years of course ever since we we've used the, the sea it's also important to note that there is no, normal natural sound in the ocean so you have a wind for example produces sound, waves produces sound and that's, that's common, it should be in the, in the North Sea.
3: As humans continue to increase the amount of noise they produce, we're impeding the most vital sense of all living creatures in the sea, in a way that we can hardly imagine.
2: Well we could try to come up uh, with an example and I would take the vision. Uh, of course we have five senses and we use them all. We need them all. But if there is one uh, without which we couldn't probably live uh, correctly is uh, is the vision. Uh, and if we were only relying on one sense and this will be vision, you can imagine that uh, having uh, flashes of uh, bright light all the time in our eyes or uh, having uh, continuously uh, this input of um, of um, of this light that prevent us to properly see then we would be uh, incapable of uh, uh, having a, a correct life uh, on on earth for the ocean creatures this is exactly this then rely on many senses but the one that is vital for them is the sound perception of sound so if you pollute this capability of perceiving the information that the sound uh, provides then you are putting at risk the survival of these inhabitants of the sea.
3: So what are the effects of this noise pollution on life uh, below water?
2: We could um, we could list them uh, in three broad categories uh and starting with the list of these effects will be a masking effect. This is a masking effect that we can understand when you try to uh, uh, transmit some information and you have a sound source that covers uh, this acoustic information in a way that it doesn't get to the receiver uh, from the transmitter. And uh, this uh, information is hidden to uh, the receiver. And this can sometimes put the receiver at risk. Uh, We can take the example of a ship that is uh, uh, approaching and if you're not able to um, uh, Detect it, then uh, you are at risk of a collision. We can uh, understand that sometimes you have these uh, uh, sonar uh, acoustic signals that are these sounds that are introduced in the water in search of some uh, target that could be food, that could be uh, predators, uh, that could be prey, or that could be uh, the environment. Just learn about the environment, and if your signals that, that are meant to uh, uh, inform you about your environment are uh, masked and they become hidden uh, to you, then you risk uh, a disorientation that may lead you to a, a beach on the, on the beach. And we know that when patients in particular uh, beat themselves uh, out of the water, this is also uh, a synonym of uh, death because they, even though they can breathe out of water, they run uh, into this. Uh, hypothermia uh, processes, and respiratory uh, issues that uh, kill them after a, f- a few hours. So this even uh, list of the effect, the masking effect, can also lead to a severe uh, consequences.
1: Yeah.
2: And now if we go uh, to the other extreme, so we are talking about lethal uh, some sources, these are produced by human activities with such an intensity that any living creature that uh, is too close to the source uh, may uh, see these um, uh, wave um, uh, sounds that impact their uh, uh, internal structures and uh, they uh, literally uh, implode and this leads to the death of uh, the receiver immediately. Uh, So this is, exactly, and without having uh, the physical, uh, the material impact, the uh, wave impact is enough to kill uh, the, this receiver. So these are the two extremes, and uh, in between, we have what we call acoustic trauma, that is when an animal, a uh, living uh, creature, is able to perceive a sound, if it is exposed to this sound for a too long period of time, this sound may alter the capacity of the receiver to uh, hear this sound, and if this sound doesn't stop, so even the exposure, uh, reaches um, a certain threshold in time uh, these uh, lesions um, um, becomes permanent and the animal becomes deaf to the sounds that uh, it has been exposed to and uh, we can imagine uh, these creatures as we mentioned that are in need of this acoustic information if they cannot, Hear it anymore because of this exposure to sound, so that the life uh, becomes impossible.
3: Just because we humans can't see or hear the underwater noise pollution on land doesn't mean it won't affect us too.
0: I can imagine, like, if you're listening now from your home and you're far away from the ocean, and you might think, like, uh, well, wow, how does this affect me? Um, well, it does because in the end, we're all linked to the ocean. I mean, the ocean has an important function to prov- provide us with oxygen, um, with food and um, leisure. So, yeah, in the end, a healthy ocean also means a healthy human population.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think biodiversity is, is very undervalued in a way because it's not usually given in an economic number. And it's hard to sometimes think in money. But the value of biodiversity is enormous to humans. Uh, we need a healthy North Sea to provide us with also all of our activities. So, for fish, so you need for, for a healthy fishing, you need, of course, a healthy North Sea or a healthy ocean um, with, uh, with good biodiversity. Uh, not long ago, last year, the EU biodiversity strategy was released. Explaining the the biodiversity crisis in EU waters and everything that can be done, or some steps that can be taken to improve the biodiversity. Among those things is also just reducing stress, reducing um pressure on the on our oceans by reducing anthropogenic um, activities, but also by implementing enough marine protected areas, so areas where maybe you could even in, in, incorporate uh, a noise noise threshold an area where the noise can only reach a certain level or noise-inducing activities can, are not allowed to take place, which at the moment doesn't exist.
3: From his lab in Barcelona, Michel André conducts some of the most advanced research on this topic.
2: When you want to um, record and analyze uh, sounds in the ocean, you have to try to find a way to emulate uh, the human capacity that we know uh, It's uh, very good to uh, memorize and uh, identify different sound sources. Uh, We are listening to a sound uh, and we identify it and even though we don't hear these sounds for years, uh, as soon as it is played again, then you remember that you have already heard this this sound and you identify it. So this capacity of our brain is amazing and the difficulty here is to teach a machine to do the same. Mm -hmm. And not only a machine to analyze the sound and to memorize it, but to identify the different components of even a non-sound. And this technique goes through uh, the use of uh, uh, AI, uh, artificial intelligence techniques, that uh, are uh, uh, extracting the different components of the sound, uh, um, um, keeping them or saving them in a database and looking for these features Uh, anytime there is what we call an acoustic event that is uh, happening in the ocean. And we try to uh, match this event with a non-sound source belonging to uh, biological species or to uh, uh, human uh, sound uh, or to natural uh, physical um, sounds that are uh, produced by earthquakes, uh, waves or rain. And uh, this capacity to uh, deal with uh, these different sound sources in real time and in an automatic way is what we've been developing uh, in the last 20 years in our laboratory. So it's truly an artificial system starting with an artificial uh, a microphone that uh, collects the sound, sends the sound to an artificial brain that analyzes these uh, sounds, uh, compare it with the database, immediately say, well, I know this sound. It is the sound that you heard uh, three years ago or three seconds ago in uh, at uh, whatever depth or in another area. Uh, and then uh, where we go much further than the human capacity is that we are able not only to hear the, our own sound, but the sound that are beyond our own capacity, and so these machines are able to uh, capture all the different sounds, and they are also able to transmit this, which is something that uh, the human being is not able to do, is to uh, send these analysis immediately uh, to the internet. Wow. And this provides us with an information. Now we have uh, uh, over 150 channels that are streaming this information live uh, from uh, most of the oceans all- of the world that allows us to compare the different levels of sound, compare the distribution of uh, the the creatures that live uh, in the ocean and to inform us about how this is evolving and how much we need to do to try to uh, get back to this balance that we mentioned was vital for uh, our own survival.
3: Of all the sources of noise pollution, shipping is the most prevalent. Reducing that sound is crucial to minimize the negative impact it has. At MARIN, the Maritime Research Institute Netherlands, they employ high-tech research methods in search for solutions.
5: My name is uh, Frans Henrik Lafeber. I work at MARIN. We build a, a scaled-down model of the ship, and we test it in one of our basins. And we uh, also scale all the, uh, the conditions, so the operating condition of the ship, so the, the speed and the propeller rotation rate, uh, but also the, uh, the pressure inside the basin. And we measure the noise. Um, yeah, we measure the noise from the ship. There's quite a few aspects. Uh, one of them is, for example, the flow noise, so just the, the 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 noise that comes from the fact that you push the hull through the water. Mm-hmm. And another one is the machinery that is inside the ship, and like the engines. They vibrate, uh, so they will <clears throat> uh, cause the structure of the ship and the hull of the ship to vibrate and make sounds in in the water. Yes. But the main um, noise source from a propeller is what we call cavitation. Mm-hmm. Because if that happens, that is the dominant noise source. And it's also, it covers a very broad range of frequencies. So there's uh, um, always an overlap with the frequencies that, yeah, one of the marine species uh, typically uses. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, a propeller, it creates a very low pressure in the water at, at the front yeah, to, to to suck the propeller forward. Um, and this pressure becomes so low that it actually drops to below what is called the vapor pressure of water. So the water will start to evaporate. Okay. Um, it's, it's not boiling because it doesn't get hot, yeah. uh, but it will form uh, yeah, bubbles of, of water vapor. And uh, behind the propeller, they will, and the pressure increases again. So these bubbles, they will uh, implode. And this is what causes uh, a lot of sound. And because these... Uh, cavitation bubbles can have a lot of different sizes. Uh they also make sound over a very broad range of frequencies. Well, the difficulty here is that if you want to suppress cavitation, uh you yeah you have to make changes to your propeller design and um yeah you will reduce the efficiency. It's a trade-off. But something that you can do is um yeah optimize the design of the hull of your ship. Because if you reduce the resistance of the ship, you need to generate less thrust. This is good in, yeah, uh, both for your fuel efficiency, or so just for also for your emissions to the air like CO two, but also if you need to produce less thrust, uh, it's easier to design a propeller with less cavitation noise.
3: The good news about noise pollution is that once you turn off the sound, it's gone.
2: When you turn off uh, a sound source, its effect stops immediately, and this is an advantage when you want to deal with it. Yeah. And many of the sounds that we introduce in the ocean are not uh, welcomed by anyone. Uh, A ship that produces noise doesn't bring any benefit to the uh, transport to the ship itself. Uh, On on the contrary, this bothers the passengers. Uh, When you uh, build these uh, windmills uh, and you have this pile driving and and drilling operation, the sound that is associated to pile driving and drilling doesn't bring any benefit either to the operation, and uh, the uh, industries and operators agreed to try to find ways to uh, limit this production of sound.
3: What sort of solutions can can just anyone, like me, uh, for instance, how can we contribute to d- diminishing that uh, that amount of noise in the ocean?
0: One thing you could do is, well, consume less and consume local. Uh, so um, 90% of all goods are being shipped worldwide. Um, so if we could Produce more locally, that would already be uh, a great help. Also, for example, uh, reduce your oil and gas um, consumption. And (laughs) as a tourist, there's also a lot of ways. So when you're on the water, um, you could, for example, hire uh, a kayak uh, instead of a motorized vehicle. And Mm -hmm. if you do hire a a motorized vehicle, you could... um, Go slower because actually reducing your speed directly reduces the underwater sounds that's being produced. And this is also a uh, measure that's being proposed for international uh, commercial shipping. Um, because with reducing just a few knots, we can bring down sound levels uh, several dBs and this already will relieve um, a lot of animals.
2: Uh, I I think that is important to uh, underline that this is not because we are not on board of these uh, seismic vessels that are responsible to uh, look for oil or gas uh, uh, in uh, in the ocean. It's not because we are not on board of these vessels that we are not co-responsible of uh, the effect that this noise and whatever effect these activities can have. We uh, depend on this economy, we depend on this energy uh, in our daily life, not only to Feed the uh, tank over our uh, cars, but also uh, the clothes that we uh, wear, or the glasses where we uh, drink our our uh, water or our wine uh, is also uh, coming from this industry. So we really have to make, uh, I mean, to be conscious that uh, we need to uh,
3: tackle this uh, issue together. Are you optimistic?
1: <laughs> I'm uh, always an optimist. I'm i I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a constant optimist. Yeah. So I, I am very optimistic about. Um, about nature, and I think there's there's a lot to be done, there's a lot we can do. I'm very optimistic with marine protected areas. I think they can have a huge influence um, so that the nature is resilient enough to deal with these stresses, like underwater noise. Um, you can't always look at one thing and then it's an ecosystem, so it's all interconnected, and the stresses, they, they all accumulate on top, on top of each other. And therefore, you have to look at a, at a large scale to really make a make a big difference. So in, in that way, I'm optimistic.
2: I I really encourage people to listen to, to nature. This is one thing that we can all do. Uh, we can be with our kids uh, anywhere and then take the time to listen. And we can even listen how the wind in the trees are providing information to uh, the birds, to the insects, and not having to go very far away. I mean, this we can we can do it very close to our own house and take the children and speak uh, clearly to them that nature has a voice and we need to listen to this voice. And the only way we we can come back uh, to this uh, necessary balance for our own survival is to listen to nature.
3: You've been listening to The Five Podcast, brought to you by Five Media, the Impact Media Foundation connecting thinkers and doers to co-create a more sustainable future.